Welcome to Trapping Ink Scuttlebutt Podcast. I'm Rich. And I'm Sandy. And uh, we're up here in northwestern Alberta with a friend of ours. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about some heritage type of, of trapping. Not only that, but a, fabu- a very fabulous and special uh, uh, ability he has. But first off, uh, I want to mention that... Uh, you can check out everything that we do on Trapping Inc. off of our website. That's at www.trappinginc.com. You can reach our podcast there. You can reach our YouTube there. You can reach our Amazon Prime feed there. Uh, you can reach and Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. 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 Anyway, go there, trappinginc.com, and uh, get connected with us and, and our crew. Justin, welcome, sir. Good day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> good, good to see you, Sandy. And you. Thanks very much for hosting us. So loyal viewers of the show will remember you and your wonderful family from the very first year of Trapping Inc. We uh, came up here and uh, we went out to your, your trap line. It was, I can't tell you how many, uh, how much feedback we got. One, so many people were so pleased to see a family with young kids uh, showing the, uh, the way to, to the next generation. And I know for Sandy and I, I know I, I went home and I talked with her about it. And I said, you know, it was so good to feel so validated that here was somebody else who thought it was the right way to raise their children as well. And uh, I loved uh, the skinning, well, your, your uh, one son and, and your daughter skinning weasels for us at the end. Of that. It, was, it was fabulous. It was, it was so nice to be out with a family where this was such a normal part of their life where it wasn't uh, a very special for so many of, uh, uh, of our viewers and that to trapping might be a three-day season for the whole year. But if you ask them what they are, they identify as trappers. That's right, yep. Yeah. So give us a little bit of history here about how did you get into trapping? Well, I was uh, introduced to it at a pretty young age, too, um, through my grandparents. Uh, my grandpa was a, a fur trapper most of his life. He, uh, he sort of learned the hard way, I guess you could say it. Uh, started young, um, a lot of cold days. Uh, they didn't have the gear like we had, so he was a tough guy. I looked up to him as a mentor. You know, I spent countless hours with him in the bush, um, loved every minute of it, and I guess it instilled something into me that uh, I look back and, and love every minute of it too. So that's how I got introduced to trapping. Um, I've definitely lived my life around it. Um, I enjoy it, and as we thought, as you said before, like, I look at it as we need to pass it down to our children, to the youth, so we can have this for the future. It's it's part of life. Well, I just want to wander off into one little tangent here. Uh, I know. I promised you it wasn't going to, but I, li- <laughs> I lied. <laughs> you talk about didn't have the heater that you have. Um, that was one of the things, you know, that when we, uh, we've talked to, like, pioneers from the trapping industry and all that, and you talk about the cold, and... They agree, you know, that uh, today with our heaters, that's much better and that that the cold isn't as bad. But it's not for the reason that we think of. It was hard for them to evenly dry their fur back then. And that's what it was all about. I mean, these were guys with the bark on. I mean, when they wore out clothes, they wore wore them out from the inside out. They were so tough. And it was, they didn't really care the fact that they were living in in an open... uh, uh, lean to for the winter in the snow and that, but it was hard to get the fur dry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of long nights turning fur, keeping the fire going, eh? Yeah. 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 Well, your, uh, your grandparents started here how many years ago? 
Back in the 30s. So my, my great-grandpa come, grandparents, I guess, come from uh, Ukraine, settled here, and then, yeah, had some unfortunate things happen, and my grandparents, my grandpa was uh, about 15, 16, and ended up having to go to the bush to, to live and to survive, and trapping was the way. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of money in fur back then. Yeah. Well, I'm, it was the, you know, things were happening in the world, they, they were looking at our as our fur as as the best in the world so to go out and actually have a job create money from the bush you know they they bought supplies they didn't buy toys they bought supplies eh? I, I found find it uh fascinating uh, you talked about uh uh back then uh squirrel was very valuable and uh i believe it was your your grandpa and his brothers uh yeah grandma Grandma was part of it too, but grandpa and one brother and grandma caught 3,600 squirrels one winter. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, yeah. It was, you know, put food on the table and bought a vehicle and, and stuff back in them days too. So, yeah. 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 And I believe, uh, was your grandpa or is one of his brothers that could skin squirrels while, while skiing to the next grandpa. place? Yeah. 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 Yeah, they they had snare poles and stuff, and uh, as they were skiing, they had the little twenty two shorts. I still have his original gun, and they could ski along here, a squirrel in the trees, ski over to it, get it, get, carry on skiing and skiing as they're they're going, go to the next one. There was a lot of those pioneers that that traveled through the bush on skis. Yep. Not, you know, a lot of people think that snowshoes are the way to travel, but the skis were a lot faster for them. And, and easier on their bodies. You know, yeah. you walk in snowshoes all day. It's It takes a, a pretty tough man. Skis, you, you get good at it, and they could cover a lot of ground. Yeah. Yeah. So he could he could ski and skin squirrels. There's maybe some genetic thing here with his abilities. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, too, the, the, we used to have a winter carnival in our, in our town, and uh, my grandma still holds the record for... Uh, producing the squirrel the fastest she could skin a squirrel and what they call boarding it so all she had to do is slide it on the board and call time and she was 45 seconds flat holy <laughs> smokes yeah, so, so speed skinning runs in your family <laughs> I, I guess so I, uh, <laughs> I haven't even thought about what knife i'm going to use in 45 seconds <laughs> yeah so yeah that's where i guess i i uh, grandpa taught me the bush for sure you know and and how to uh, read animals and, and, and what they're going to do and how to catch them. But Grandma also, she, she was a fur handler. She, uh, she taught me, she got me started. Like uh, I was probably seven, eight years old, and I was skinning beaver tails. That's the first thing I ever skinned in my life was a beaver tail. Really? Yeah. And just she wanted me to learn how to hold that knife and how to hold the, you know, the, the hard side of the tail down into the, to the flesh side and learn how to make your cuts. It takes talent. I mean, it's not easy to skin a beaver tail. Well, and as a kid, I guess she's, uh, maybe she was pushing me to see if I was determined enough to stick with it, too. Most kids, yeah, two swipes and they're gone. Me, I skinned the whole pa- the whole pail of tails, just sat there and did it and enjoyed it and <laughs> stuck to it. I think well, that's a, one of the best things about kids and trapping right, right now, too. I mean, one of the very first ones, uh, rendezvous that we went to, there was kids running around with, with knives all you know and where else do you see that yeah. but at a at a trapper's rendezvous and their parents expect them to be good with it yeah well <laughs> I, I guess we you know we teach our kids at a young age it's no different you know with rifles or or, or uh, what, uh 
guns and stuff too. It, this this is a weapon. It's no different a knife. A knife can kill you just as fast as a bullet can. So absolutely, and, and tools know. can hurt you too. Just ask Richard about yeah. that. He knows yeah. how tools can hurt. Yeah, they hurt. <laughs> Hammers hurt. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's she's, his she's, knee. she's poking me in the eye because I I shot myself in the knee with a. With, with a spiker here a few years ago. Yeah, I got my hand too, so <laughs> yeah, we were part of the club. <laughs> yeah, yes. At least we were. M- your hand wasn't nailed to my knee, and th- that would have been an even better story, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so your grandpa started or established this trap line in the '30s. So back then, was there like all of Alberta is broke into registered trap lines today? Was it back then? Yes. Yeah, so they, they, they were a lot smaller back in then days. The the trap line, the original trap line that I have to this day that's been in our family since the 30s is about four and a half townships. So back in, I would say the 70s, 80s, they merged a couple of them together. So it's it's got bigger over the years. The government actually has put a couple more to it. Yeah. So it is four and a half townships, the, the original one now, which... Uh, when Grandpa would have trapped it, it might have been a township. Okay. Yeah. Did it produce a lot of fur back then? Like, I mean, how much have, have fur numbers changed? Well, we didn't have Martin. Like, uh, Grandpa and Grandma talked, you know, in the 80s is when they caught the fur. Grandpa didn't even know what a Martin was at that time. You Isn't know? it amazing? And yet there were so many squirrels there. Yep. You know, they take thousands and thousands of squirrels. And everybody believes that that's what Martin eat. They really don't. Yeah. But isn't that amazing? Yeah. They did good on Link. Um, a lot of squirrels, as you said. And... Uh, and fox back in them days. Fox is a big thing, you know, bush fox. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you catch much for, for fox there now? No, not not deep in the bush. It's mostly farmland where I'm catching the fox. And and I don't, you know, I catch them uh, catch them in my footholds for coyotes. Uh, so you know, I don't strictly target fox. We don't yeah. have enough to just say I'm going fox trapping, and that's no. what I want to come home with. Eh? So, on an average year, I might pull ten to twelve fox. Yeah, we and we get less than that up in the b- big bush. Uh, we have we no have, farmland no. on ours at all. And, and we hardly have coyotes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you do get a coyote on a, on a wolf bait, the wolves eat it. Yeah, that's, that's gone. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's their idea. That's of, the koi wolf. Yeah, that's yeah. the koi wolf. <laughs> <laughs> it's this pile of hair laying there. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the koi wolf on, out on the trap line. We, where we end up getting fox is uh, occasionally we, we'll get them in a, um, a trail set for a blind set f- snare for a for links yep. or uh sometimes uh you'll have um you'll throw a 330 in beside uh you know uh with with uh bait in it in beside a, a link set or whatever because sometimes you're, you're having problems with fisher and that kind of stuff yep. and then sometimes you get a fox near but not very often we only get a couple a year yeah no same up here we're not we're not a we're we're not a fox producing area that's for sure i love seeing them it's it's one of my most enjoyment thing i think in my life is sit and watch a fox hunt like how they they hear that mouse down in that snow and they can sit there for a minute with their head moving and all of a sudden up they go and straight in. I just it's I don't know what it is. It gets me every time, eh? It's so. amazing. Another thing that's like that. Have you ever watched the 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 uh, great gray owl mouse? Uh, I can't say I have. No. Same thing. They sit up in a tree and they listen and listen and listen. All of a sudden they go out and they can actually hover to a dead stand, stop, and then they dive into the snow. Okay. And they'll come up with a mouse. We were watching. I was sitting there. I was editing in my office. My office window looks out, and, and I watched him do it once, and I was like, realized what, what, what had went on. And so I called her, and we watched him dive, what, eight more times? He yeah. got seven for eight. 
Wow. And, you know, it's all fluffy white snow. And she says, how long does she know they're there? I said, he hears them. She thought I was pulling it. <laughs> See, I fooled her once about this jackalope thing in South Dakota. <laughs> and, and, Ever and since was, then, I've been very suspicious been 30, about 30 years ago, we're still trying to develop trust over That's this right, again, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, they actually hear them. Yeah. They hear them. What's even better, though, is, I mean, he would be sitting in a tree, and he might, that, that mouse might be 30 yards away where he'll go out and hover and drop in, but he could hear them at that distance. That, isn't that amazing? It's crazy. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, nature's way. Nature, yeah. na- nature is absolutely amazing. It is. It, your trap line is uh, on a, a pretty major river. Uh, what's which the river? So it's the Clear River through, I have two trap lines, two registered trap lines. Um, so the... The original one, the Clear River, runs through it, which runs into the Peace River. And Peace River is pretty, I guess, known in North America somewhat. That yeah. is, it's a big body of water moving through. So I have another trap line that actually is on the banks of the Peace River. Yeah. And uh, yours, I was uh, amazed when I was there, was uh, you have a lot of, uh, of spruce and pine forest. Mostly spruce, right? Yeah. Mostly spruce. Yep. And... I could not believe the blowdown you got on that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's taught me how to sharpen a chainsaw to get through. It's a lot of bushwhacking and stuff. So I, I teased Sandy when I come home. I says, you know how I I take extra gas and a and uh, the uh, uh, file along to sharpen a chain. I said he takes an extra chainsaw and an extra chain. <laughs> yeah, there's days. Yeah, I've I've come home where I've never even like you know on an average I'll run say 80 to 100 kilometer loops and i've turned back i've just you're too you're too tired to keep going and you know yeah. you got 30 kilometers to go and it's dark already and you know as you guys have shown in your your shows we do a lot of night trapping because oh, yeah. we only have so many hours in the day in the winter and after you've worked from you know long before sun up till sundown chainsawing and checking traps and setting traps and you know, I don't, I don't tap out too many times, but I have turned back a few times, yeah. There's sometimes you're just so exhausted, and you don't realize it until I'll be going along, and I'll, I'll just start yawning, and then I'll be, you know, I'm driving a machine, and I'll be, like, nodding off, and I realize, man, you've pushed her a little too close yep. to the edge here. Yeah, been there. Yeah, and, and you got to remember, too, we're out in the bush far enough that stuff happens. You break a snow machine down, well, I always carry gear to spend the night if I have to, but, you know, put yourself in in a situation where you can get yourself in trouble really fast so we were just talking about that last weekend when we did our podcast out of the cabin it's just some, some of the silly things that can happen to you out there yep. and and people have a romantic vision of of trapping right you know um but it's not terribly romantic if you're no Stuck on the bush. We called the podcast, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I've been called that a few times, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But that's a a very important thing, though. I mean, when you're, you need a reserve. If something goes wrong, you run into a tree or you break a machine or whatever, you need that reserve to pull your fat out of the fire. And if you've run it so far down, you ain't got it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hypothermia sets in, you know, things like that. It can can get you pretty fast. I, you know, I'm not a big fan of these uh dramatic shows or whatever about the the bush and stuff um but you know stuff does happen you know yep. you know it can well, happen you don't need to invent yeah. stuff because it just happens yeah. but you know you you're prepared like you said you you take stuff that you're prepared to if you've got to spend a night in a in a lean-to or whatever 
You probably have a can of spam underneath your. Yeah. <laughs> may or may not. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're big fans of spam. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got uh, a couple cans. There's a can in each machine that rides with me. At the end of the year, I have a, a celebration and I eat the emergency ration of, of spam. And it's no worse for having been heated up and, and cooled off underneath the seat of a screw for a winter, but yeah. it's it, it's still still quite edible. It's provisions <laughs> toughens you up. Yeah. <laughs> You see what he thinks is spam, huh? No, Toughens you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had people, uh, you know, what did you find? A three-pack of spam at Costco. Costco. Yeah. And so then that just created some conversation on Facebook. So then we asked people for their recipes. and Yeah. <laughs> there are some creative spam recipes out there. Yeah, like I would never go to that kind of effort. Like, to me... <laughs> Spam is if if you manage to open the can and stick it on a stick and heat it up, that's 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 a recipe. Yep. <laughs> oh no, these people are chopping stuff up and mixing it, and for better flavor, a little bit of blackberry uh, balsamic yeah. vinegar, vinegar, and it's like what? Ninety <laughs> percent so, of my lunches on the trap line, I'm I'm usually snowmobiling down the trail eating a sandwich, which is probably three quarters froze. Yeah. And all I can taste is beaver meat anyways because <laughs> it's all over my hands. It's, a, it's what I trap with for when I'm out doing uh, most of my trapping in the winter. I'm familiar so. with that. Yeah. Richard likes it when I come along, though, because I can make a sandwich inside the Argo for him, and it doesn't taste like skunk essence or beaver yeah. meat, yeah. so it's okay. Uh, you get immune to it. it, it <laughs> I guess we, we look at the animals. They live on it every day, so why can't we? Well, so. We we joke because uh, she'll be like, "Oh my God, it stinks!" I, I don't smell it. Well, you've got nose blind, yeah. just like a commercial TV. <laughs> Febreze. <You've> got... <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't. I don't think Febreze is that good. I think. I think I actually have lost senses. But <laughs> well, I look at it when something is that good. It's it's like a fine wine. I know. Like I make some pretty rank uh, wolf lures and stuff, baits and. When it sticks to your clothes and you come home and you haven't touched it in like two hours and your wife says, my God, what is on you? <laughs> you know you got the right <laughs> recipe, eh? So, and yeah. the shower is right there. Yeah. It's like fine wine. It gets better as it, as it ages. It's, it's so funny, though. I mean, you talk about beaver because uh, earthworms, the scent of earthworms is recognized by every fish in the world as food. Okay, I think beaver lands there for every carnivore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can put it on the ground, and you could have different meat, and guaranteed a dog will eat that beaver meat first. Oh, unplugged. Uh, we're okay now. Yeah. Okay, I get too to having too much fun here. So we're talking about a little bit about cycles, um, and it was in the '80s before Martin ever showed up. Yeah. Uh, wh what? Uh, what else has, has changed as far as uh, uh, the amount of fur and or, or populations that out on the line for you guys? And what species? Well, you know, lynx for sure. We there's years when I was younger, Grandpa was catching a pile of lynx on the line. Um, I've never had the run yet. Like I think we're coming into a cycle. I'm hoping here in the next few years um, of a lynx run. I got neighboring trappers to the north of me that are actually doing quite well with numbers of lynx. So, you know, hopefully they come down into the areas where I'm trapping too and I can uh, grab a few of them. Uh, Martin, definitely, you know, we're uh, on an average I'm pulling, I'm shooting for that 60 to 80 Martin a year. Um, so 
you know, I've managed my trap lines to the point where I know I'm comfortable killing that many Martin every year. And when I do see a fluctuation, say I'm starting to catch them adult females towards the end of season, hey, I'm, 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 I know enough to yank my traps, uh, you know, leave, leave them for next year. So what about the other fur then, uh, the mink, the uh, otter? Um, seeing more otter, to be honest with you. We've, uh, I've caught a few otter in the last few years. Grandpa went his whole trapping career, probably 60 years, and never caught an otter in our area. So we're seeing more otter show up. Um, mink, not a lot of mink in our area as it is. Um, beavers, ups and downs, like grandma and grandpa. I, I grew up uh, on the Eureka River. Um, my grandparents lived about a half a mile from us where I, I was born and raised. And grandpa and grandma trapped that Eureka River um, my whole life, and that's where I started trapping beaver. Um, so I was pretty fortunate when I was five, six, seven years old. I'd get, he, Grandpa would come through with his Argo, pick me up. We'd go beaver trapping for the morning. <laughs> and that's one of the one of the places it all started, this madness, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> So you know they they would they would they could easily out of that little little creek, you know in the high water you you could swim across it. But in, right now it's dry, so it goes to tell you what type of a creek it is. Right. In, in the in the fall time it's dried up, but uh, they'd pull a hundred hundred plus beaver out of that creek within a couple you know probably a ten fifteen mile strip wow. down that. So and do it every year. So you know they the beaver numbers I think have sort of fluctuated some i'm starting definitely the the price ain't there for going after the pelt or for the beaver so i don't pursue them a whole bunch i do uh i i, I shoot for that 50 to 60 type of thing a year but i use that's a lot, a lot of work oh, it is and i use a lot for bait that's that's probably my yeah. go-to thing is yeah. i need it for the bait so um yeah other than that like most animals coyotes we're seeing more coyotes grandpa was a was a snare man he wasn't a footholder um i never ever did see him take uh, a canine in a foothold so he was pretty much 100 percent a snare man and took a lot of wolves and, and a lot of coyotes over the years and in, in with with the uh, cable so so what has happened then far as far as uh coyote and wolf population um I, like about 10 years ago, we were in a high, high cycle of wolves, I guess. Uh, maybe we, we had a, f a big push of mule deer in our, in our country. I think the food was there. The wolves, yeah, they, they started multiplying, and we were to the point where they were actually a problem, you know, to, with the moose and the wildlife, deer, and then into cattle and stuff too. So um, coyotes. They fluctuate, same thing. You never get rid of them all. You can trap your heart out, and you're never going to kill every no, coyote, so no, no, no matter what. But I, I'm, uh, in the last couple of years, I've really sort of struck out to, to learn this art of footholding and and uh, lot, lots of, uh, you can say, growing pains, you know, <laughs> ups and downs, highs and lows. But, uh, you know, we deal with such crazy weather too to the point of you know yet last year i uh i went out was planning to dig in uh six dozen traps had the holes everything sort of pre-prepped pre um woke up four in the morning to head out to start setting traps and there was a foot of wet snow yeah you know, like game, yeah. game over it, it just yeah yeah 
So what are the biggest lessons you've learned? Now, you're, when you're footholding, that's specifically for coyote and wolf? Yeah. Okay, and yep. what's the biggest lessons you've learned? Um, well, I guess there, there's not a lot of instructors around here, people that did it, so it's it's. I've learned a lot, you can say the hard way, read a lot of books, watched videos. Um, probably the biggest thing that has set me, I wouldn't say to the next level, but opened my eyes a lot. I actually went down last summer to uh, Craig O'Gorman's and took his school down there with him for two days. And, you know, it, it was, I learned a lot in two days of what what people, you know, everybody thinks, yeah, you need, you know, hazmat suits and this and that, yada, yada, to just get so extreme to set that trap. And I went with a guy that's caught 40,000 animals in his life plus and it's just bare simple is what it is. Keep it simple. Right. You know? Right. And I, and I come home, and that's what I've went with. I've stuck with it. I've learned a lot, and I'm producing some pretty good numbers now in, in, in footholds, eh? Right. I've found that it's not so much that that um, whether you're in a hazmat suit or that kind of thing. It's whether you're making making it simple for the animal to step in your trap. Yep. You know, when you try and force them into a, a an un- unnatural situation, it just doesn't work for them. Yeah. But if they can wander up there and and go to lift their leg on that coyote or on that uh, cow skull or whatever, or you know, boom, it, it happens. Yep. It's just it's more about being natural, and and once you have that flow, yep. You know, it it, it uh, works out so much better. And location, you know, like you, you can you can have. 200 traps if they're set in the wrong spots yeah you, you might catch an animal or two like i you know I, I put a lot of time and effort into my traps um i got you know short little story i got a buddy that went down to the trap supply store bought a number three soft catch for for spring uh set it beside a dead horse the next morning woke up he had a wolf standing in it <laughs> you know called me just ecstatic got this wolf this is the easiest thing in the world and i'm shaking my head like <laughs> i got 50 wolf traps and i have a hard time catching one you know at that time so you know it's but same thing i look at it too is be consistent you know i uh, i get the same things people send me a picture i said a 330 last night in a in a milk crate look at the wolverine i caught yeah, you know, i was like yeah. oh god yeah <laughs> yeah i've rode for 15 years 200 kilometers a loop and haven't caught one yeah it's yeah yeah nature <laughs> of the beast do you have a favorite trap when it comes to footholding um i was introduced by craig down uh down there to uh so it's uh, no BS lures traps made out of the States anyways. Uh-huh. And uh, so I, you know, I'm learning. I was running MB 550s, uh, number three bridgers, all sorts of things, just trying to get a, 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 a hold on what I wanted to do. Anyways, he'd showed me this trap and, and uh, he said he's waited 40 years for this trap. Just Is that the one, the extreme? Yeah. You yeah. got canine yeah. extreme. Yeah. Anyway, so I uh, I bought six dozen from him down there when I was in the states. Brought them home and uh, started using them, and and uh, I'm up to six wolves in that canine extreme. Just just the the smaller trap. Like I. No have, kidding. Yeah. Held them no problem at all. No kidding. They so are, they're an offset, are they? Yep. Offset laminate, um, base level. They have all the specs we need for Canada, um, and just a just a rock solid trap. I've, I've held a hundred pound wolf, the white one that's leaned against Sandy here. 
he was 100 pounds on the hoof, and I and he took that drag 300 yards and set it finally into the bush, and he was standing there waiting for me. Yeah. Yeah. Not killed him, put the trap back in the original bed. Never, never torqued it. Never did a thing to that trap. They're just see, and people, um, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, any any trap will hold him. That's not true. You, especially that, that base plate and how the swivel is hooked up on it is so critical. Yep. You take when I was up with uh, Robert Grandjam up in the territories, I don't know if you saw the, the, the show or not, but he had caught a, uh, a lynx in a in a offset number three Bridger Canadian, right? Yep. And the wolves decided to eat this lynx while they played tug-of-war with him and all that. The base plate on that number three was bent in a loop like this, like the jaws were just floppy and... I don't know whether you could ever even rehab that thing enough. Now, you imagine if that was a wolf in there. You're not going to hold him. No. He's going to torque that trap hard enough that the jaws are going to come loose, see? Yeah. 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 No, I'm uh, I'm damn impressed with these traps. You know, I I, I he, I, I got to know Kendall a little bit, talked to him, and uh, he made some wolf traps. So I said, well, I want to I wanna get in. Like, I need them. I, I'm trapping wolves, so I need some uh, good, solid traps. So he sent me a dozen of what he was working with, you know, a laminated offset, and uh, just a just a big, solid, sturdy trap. So I ended up uh, getting another. I got fifty of them running now, and, and they're they're sitting in the dirt as we speak. Okay, so so <coughs> with uh, your drag, then how do you set up your drag? Um, wolf traps. I run a fairly big chain. I got a. A J.C. Connor uh, shock spring in it. Lots of swivels. I'm a swivel guy. I like to yeah. give them, give them that ability to to maneuver in that. You know, I'm running ten, ten uh, good feet to good heavy chain, and then uh, I'm running uh, Armageddon drags. So O'Gorman drags there, okay. and they, they they lock up and they ain't nothing pulling them out. They eh? yeah. No, they're 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 a good hook and yep. yeah yep. yeah. I've uh, Probably like the the hundred pound wolf I I took last year. He was in a coyote sized drag. He he did get it about three hundred yards, and that's the furthest anything has ever drug drug. So why do you prefer the drag over over a a ground stake? Stakes. Um, I like drags to the point that you make a set or you find that spot that X. Um, it's not disturbed. You know the animal comes in, gets caught. He's gone. He's he's humping her. You know thirty yards. He hangs up. You go dispatch them, bring your trap back, set it in the original spot. Yeah, you're, you're, you're rolling again. Your eh? catch circle is away from where you're actually yep. hooked up on them. And wolves, too, like, you know, if you find that spot, and it takes a lot of, of work to find them, them X's, I call, like where yeah. they'll come back to, where you're going to catch three or four or five wolves in that, that six, eight-inch circle, you don't want it all disturbed, you know. So you get your original catch, you know. He's going to take off, hang up, dispatch, and put your trap back in there. Now you got a catch circle. You can trap that, too, so it, it creates more options, too. Eh? Yeah. I I, th- I believe, especially with, uh, and, and it's funny, a lot of people don't understand it, but, but cats and canines are very similar, and that when there's more more disturbance, it's it's more attractive. You know, yep. it's more active Curiosity. because it's more active, yep. you know. Yeah, what 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 did someone go in there and bury? Let's go check it out. Eh? Oh, yeah, it's curiosity definitely. killed the cat. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, let's go somewhere else then with this. Um, you love handling fur. You do a lot. You do a lot of custom skinning, don't you? I do. Yeah, I. Uh, 
I can say I uh, handled a, or sharpened a few knives, wore a few out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hands are getting tired. Yeah, but yeah. I still love it. It's, uh, I guess, some people can sit and play a guitar or you know, read a book or whatever. Th- this is what what I just it relaxes me. I go out and I can skin for three, four hours and look at the look at the clock and. Where the heck did the time go, eh? It's trapper meditation is what it is. I guess yeah, it's so. tra- trapper yoga. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I'm in a different level than you because in three or four hours, I'll get one or two pieces done and I'll come back in. Now, in Alberta, we have uh, a rendezvous, and that's a big trapper's convention. And, and uh, every year there's a, uh, a competition. It's um, Ultimate every Trappers. Every year there's oh, okay. U- yep. Ultimate, Ultimate Trappers trapper. competition. And, and part of it, uh, there's... I don't know five six different stages to it. You got to start a fire and boil coffee. You got to there's a but there's a beaver skinning a speed uh, uh, competition and Time, there's a coyote yeah. uh, speed competition. Yeah. Now you have won the coyote. Uh, I know you won it this year. How many other years have you won that? Uh, two two more times to set records. And how many times have you been the ultimate trapper? Twice. Yeah. Twice. I've took it two years. Um, yeah. This year, I have no way of knowing. Because as much research as we've done, and we were to the national convention in, in Michigan and everything Where they else, don't have they such don't, a thing. Yeah. They yeah. don't do things like speed competitions when it comes to skinning. But you had to have set the world record for skinning a coyote this year. Well, I don't know about a world record, but it, yeah, I pumped some fur out. <laughs> here's, here's the best part, is that one guy, and if you're in coyotes and snaring at all, you'll know the name Marty Seneker. Marty Seneker did a coyote in two minutes flat. Marty came in second. Yeah. <laughs> you did it a minute 51. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> tell me, tell me, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you take the fur off of a coyote? They're hanging there, right? Yeah. And so, they're, they're like a 24, 28 pound coyote. Yeah, we try in this competition because, you know, a male coyote's going to pull way harder than, a, than an average size uh, coyote. So, you know, we try select good quality fur no big holes no funny stuff that's going to hang you up while you're skinning it so there are pretty well you could say cloned coyotes some are bigger some are smaller i guess it's luck of the draw so yeah we we throw our names in a hat pick our pick our number and uh go grab a coyote that's laying on the ground and and hope he's the one so do you have any criteria when you're picking that coyote <laughs> no not really uh, you I don't just, get a lot of choice or chance to really no, Choose, I just be choosy, uh, right? You just, I'm to the point where you just okay. Here, here, here's the one. Let's go. Let's see if we can make it happen. So okay, yeah, um, yeah. So to start the competition, we hang them. We were starting them on the floor. So the original, my original re- set record was uh, two minutes twenty six seconds starting on the floor. So that's me not touching the coyote. I had to actually pick it up, hang it from the gramble and pick up my knife and start going so right. at, at 227 on that one um next one was two and then the following year was 226 so i break i ended up uh grabbing the uh the record on that one and the same thing i had to hang it so you know there's 10 12 seconds to hang a coyote to get easy. it rolling yeah. yeah easy yeah and then the this year just had a good run yeah picked a good coyote and and uh, all the stars aligned. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I always, everybody asks, you know, what are you thinking when you're doing this? And well, number one, don't cut your fingers off. And, and I have, yeah, I've, I've 
<laughs> I've lobbed a finger, parts of it off in a beaver skin competition, and yeah, it's not fun. Yeah, I do. I do remember that yeah. <laughs> at the end of the one. Be- that was two years ago. I was in Pincher Creek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, everybody was running around, and Shandy was uh, your wife was was trying to find somebody to put your finger back on. <laughs> yeah, and I ended up, that, that was uh, day number one beaver skin, and day number two was a Cayuga, and I still set a record. So that was, I guess, maybe that was my luck. I, I uh, woke me up, pay attention, <laughs> eh? So, so is there an actual? practice you go through for this or is it just you've done so many it's just memory muscle it muscle is, memory and yeah. away you go uh you know when you've skinned I don't know, i've lost everybody asks how many coyotes have you skinned i said i lost track after 10 because that's how how many fingers i can <laughs> count on eh <laughs> well but, nine after the beaver skin <laughs> i guess yeah yeah i have to use a toe then but, <laughs> you know i i i skin it just like i do in my shop when i'm putting up fur when you do a couple hundred a year it, you get a system, and you, you it's just like you watch the guys that's professionally skinned mink. They can, you know, seconds, they're done. It's crazy. Coyote's the same. You know, I have I have on video, I don't produce it or put it out too much, but I have it to prove it. I've skinned coyotes in, in a minute and 27 seconds flat. Really? Yeah. In my wow. shop. Yeah. It's funny because uh, I at one point I did a bunch of um, uh, video work. Uh, for um, NAFA, I believe it was when they're producing their beaver, their beaver uh, DVD, and I filmed Jackie Wirt skinning beaver, and it wasn't until I was editing it together afterwards, and I looked at it as I I could take the left side of beaver number one, and I could at any point I want to intermix it with the left side of beaver number two and beaver number four. Yeah. It was the same amount of strokes. It was the same motion, everything, every time. And then it would be flip the animal around and do it again. And I was just amazed at, at how much it was to me. Uh, you know, uh, it was, it was just muscle memory. He's done thousands upon thousands and, yeah. and it was, it's just the same number of strokes, the yeah. same weight on the knife, everything. Right. Yeah. Coyotes are the same. Like I, I, uh, I have my cuts. There's little tricks that I know where to push and pull to get it to go good. And it's it's smooth as fast. That's another thing. You know, when you're smooth and you roll and all of a sudden, ding, ding, you just bang, 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 bang your cuts. And, you know, you, you're grabbing the right spots at the right time and it, and it, it comes off. It pulls. Well, that's the fascinating part that, that I uh, find so cool when I watch you. You don't look fast. Yeah. You don't look fast. Like some people... They look like they're under the gun, like they're panicking. They're flat out trying so hard. You don't. You're just, like you say, you're smooth, and away it goes. It just flies, right? One of the great things that's happened out of all this, though, like we've filmed those particular competitions and and some of the other really fun things, like the the snowshoe race and whatnot. But as those shows have started to air in the U.S. and we've gotten a bigger U.S. audience, when we go down to the National Trapping Convention, they are really fascinated with the stuff that we do. Well, first of all, I think they think it's really kind of interesting what we find to be humorous, humorous, or, or, <laughs> or enjoyment. Yeah. Um, but at those big national conventions, they don't have anything like that. L, but they know. Yeah. They know about it. They know your name too. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they and you know, it's just not something that you can get to to have happen down there. I don't think. Um, I, they just—it seems foreign to them, and yet they're so fascinated by it because everybody's everybody's fascinated by a race, by competition, and yeah. that. I guess just the fact that there's so many. I mean, 
part of it is is not there's not many people that handle as many coyotes as you do in a year or a lot of the guys up here you know there's there's some that handle a lot more coyotes yep. but uh you know you have to have the talent and you have to have the practice and and uh well not everybody that catches a lot of coyotes does their own skinning either. no that's true right. that's very true i know a lot of guys that catch three four hundred coyotes and don't touch a single one yeah. they pay people to do it yeah yep. you know some of them probably pay you to do it yeah well for sure <laughs> No, and it's, yeah, it's, I look at it too as a lot like guys, there's guys that have knacks to things, you know, you can pick, some guy will pick up a guitar for the first time and within 15 minutes he's strumming and he's got his fingers figured out, you know, and next guy can pick up a goose call, you know, three good blows and he's got the reed figured out and he's, he's rolling on it. Next guy, three days later, he still sounds like a drowning duck. Eh? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you've, you've heard me with a guitar, haven't you? In 15 minutes, I can figure out how to start a fire with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I guess that's what you're interested in. I, I don't know what it is that the bug that bit me that I like, I just, I like handling fur and there's nothing more appealing to me than seeing a well-handled piece of fur. Oh, no question. No question. So what do you see? You know, we're running into, into more issues with, uh, uh, with, with PETA, with antis, that kind of thing. Do you think they're as big a deal as what people complain about on social media and that? Or do you think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, of the boy that cried wolf going on? Well, I, I, I've had a few run-ins with, you know, antis and stuff. I don't let it get to me. I just, uh, this is my profession. This is what I love to do. And I don't go beat on their door. So, you know, but I, I want to say we we're, we're gaining ground. I think, you know, with education is a big thing. You know, we can, no matter how much money you have, you're not going to change somebody's minds that, that are just dead set against it. So the only way to change their mind is through education, you know, that's the truth, and there, I mean, we run into those situations where uh, you have an ante, and they, they want to fight. That's yeah. all they want to do. Yeah. You're never going to change their mind, so why fight with them? Exactly. All I end up doing in those situations is I just delete them. Yeah. You know, I, do, I just delete them. Oh, no know, voice. Or get, don't don't yeah. give them a yeah. voice. Why, why give them a voice on my, on my platforms? And I try, to, I try to counsel other folks in the industry to do the same. Yeah. You know, I said, the people that you really want to reach aren't ever going to talk to you. And those that's the 80%. Yep. You know, 10% trap, 10% hate it. It's the 80% that don't, you know, that, that which we find that about 80% of our, our fans don't don't trap, but they're fascinated with the life. Yep. You know? I'm uh, pretty fortunate, too. I, I enjoy teaching, you know, trapping education and stuff. So I, lo I love going to schools, taking stuff to the kids and showing them and, and showing what, you know, we're, we're not cold blooded killers we're out there for a reason we're, yep. we're out there managing animals you know if we ain't out there helping doing our part of it well disease sets in you know over numbers set in now we have nothing we have some serious problems going on so i uh, i like to be a steward to the land I, I love being in the bush i love looking after animals people ask me like how, how can you you know kill an animal well yeah i i don't get just an honest thrill out of killing an animal alive in a trap but it's part of my job i do it it's it's just like a a plumber when he comes to a house with the toilet plug he, it's part of his job yep. eh? you know so and for me um you just have to understand that we are dealing in a surplus you know these animals are going to die nature's going to kill them yep so we're just trying to utilize that surplus 
And the more people that understand that, you know, the better off it is. There are a lot of people who post stuff on the internet that don't help us. No. You know, people need to have a filter, and I don't understand. But, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's hunting or fishing or, or drunk driving or whatever. People will post any bloody thing on the internet. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's unfortunate that uh, people have to be counseled on having a filter and, and don't. But I find that, you know, we've had people. I had actually, uh, we had uh, quite a, a, a thing come up here when we were doing game studies this year in Alberta. They were flying different WMUs. Every couple of years, they'll fly a uh, wildlife management unit. They'll fly and count moose, okay? Yep. Yep. One uh, wildlife management unit butts against the one side of my son's strapline in central Alberta. And they flew it, and they came up with like 400 and some moose, 426 or something well, like they that. They extrapolate that Yeah, number, well, right? they, they actually have a number, and the yeah. number was 118, and they, and they multiply that by four, and that gives them a, just through this whole algorithm they have, yep. that gives them the actual number of moose in the, in the wildlife management unit. In the same time, they actually counted the number of feral horses and came up with over 650. That wasn't extrapolated or anything. That was an actual count while they were counting moose. Well, wild horses, feral horses, because there are no wild horses in North America, not from 18,000 years. Yep. These are all somebody else's garbage that's been turned loose. Yep. And they've become a huge problem, you know, they, because they outcompete. You know, a herd of horses outcompetes a, a single moose or whatever very easily. Yep. And so I had somebody contact me, and they said, well, you know, why, why wouldn't people catch them and, and tame them? And I said, well... That has, in the past, that was done, and they caught them, and, but uh, most often they were shipped off to the packing plant, and they're not of any quality whatsoever. And, you and know, that offends people, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the fact that they're they're only good for, for dog meat, usually is what they go for is dog food. Yep. Uh, very seldom do they even go for, for uh, human consumption, just because they're poor quality, right? And so when I, after I got done talking with them and explaining to them, you know, the, the numbers and how they outcompete and all that, well, this person had changed their mind completely, but this was somebody who didn't trap. They started out by saying they didn't trap, but they contacted us because yeah, we... Yeah, a great big long email this summer, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was it was fascinating where, where that went. That was that, To me, that was good. That was one of those those victories yep. where here was somebody that was against, you know, uh, killing feral horses and, and uh, killing wolves and, and was turned around because yep. they thought it was kind of bad that, you know, we were celebrating that the horses were now getting ate by the by the wolves because every every pile of crap we found and that was just full of hair, hair well, horse hair yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so and that was the first time yeah. in all the years that he's trapped there because it's always been moose or mo mostly moose yeah. very very not very often deer or, or elk because neither one of them are really a, a big enough meal for a for a, a pack of wolves but horses are a big meal oh yeah yeah they and they love horse meat yeah yeah one thing i always like when I get to go to schools and, and teach kids, you know, I, I look at, yeah, there's going to be some against it for sure. That 80% is what I'm after. Mm -hmm. You yep. know, I'm, I'm trying to get this in, you know, especially younger kids in the smaller grades. I don't, you know, I don't handle fur in front of them to the point of, you know, bringing say a dead coyote or whatever. Um, but so my, my first thing is I bring in all my fur bags of all my goodies, tan fur and, and dried fur and whatnot. And, uh, I get talking to them, tell them who I am, introduce myself and, uh, what I, what I am and what I do. But I, uh, always have a piece of, uh, roll of toilet paper with me. 
and I always hold it up and I said, who, who uses this every day? You know, everybody, kids, they giggle and laugh. Well, yeah, we do. And I said, well, I hope you do good, you know, but where does this come from? You know, and you get finally some kid will say, oh, it comes from the bush, the trees. Yeah, well, we're cutting these trees down to, you know, use this type of stuff, build our houses, you know, produce paper so you guys can come to school and write and learn and stuff. But what what lives in the bush? You know, finally some will say an animal, animals. Well, yeah. So when we're cutting their whole houses down, um, where do they go live? They have nowhere to live. So now we have a surplus of animals going into another animal's home. So if trappers, people that stewards of the land, ain't there to help out in our part that humans have created, what do we have? We're going to have massive diseases, you know, overrun with animals, and we're, we are seeing it. So we, we need to inform and I, that's what I like to do is take it to younger kids so that they're open to it at a younger age. When they're, right. when they're you know, 20, 30 years old, it's pretty hard to drive something home to them, eh? Yeah. You know, you know and that, that's that's a great point. Um, one thing that people point out, they, they talk about how mankind upset the balance of nature. Well, man's been part of the balance of nature for hundreds of thousands of years that man's been on the, on the face of the earth. Uh, our population has has encroached more and more on on nature, no question. But we've been part of the balance, and I really like that you go see the kids because kids are. I always like to say this: is that kids and puppy dogs are nothing. You don't make them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so the the sooner you can introduce them to uh, those ideas, yeah. you know, you 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 go to a lot to schools. Yeah, I try to, you know, and I've been invited to them. I uh, you know I've went, I started. The younger ages and i show them you know uh, tan furs as, as we're sitting on right now mm-hmm. um and they just you know they can't get enough of it they just love it. you know you ask i always get a kick out of it too because in our area wolverines you know i've i've been grew up in the bush lived in the bush i've yet to even catch a wolverine my grandpa's caught a couple you know so the, they're, they're sort of rare so i always say who's seen this who's seen a moose who's seen a deer and every all everybody's got their hands up and so I say, who's seen a wolverine? Well, there's always one kid he's got his hand yeah. up, eh? and, oh, Well, that's good. What did he look like? Well, he's you know, about the size of a grizzly bear. Yeah. Eh? So, <laughs> so, you know, it, so I start him out, you know, my, my or the, the younger classes like that, just showing him fur and stuff. And then when I'm into junior high kids, we're, I've handled fur with them. Like we're skinning beavers with them in school and stuff. And and kids aren't shocked by that you know there's so many adults that are shocked by the fact that oh my god there's there's blood there you know like it was really funny when we got onto amazon prime uh one of the very first shows and they approve every show every show every show one of the shows she's skinning a muskrat well they wanted me to uh, and our our program is unrated like we don't have any any uh age ratings or whatever so i just put you know the the lowest they had was you know open for everybody well that was no good and so I went 13 plus, and then they said, but you're showing blood and skinning. And I, I says, good Lord, lady, you do know that, you know, you have porn running on this show. Yeah. <laughs> but this was horrifying that, you know, she was skinning a muskrat. Yeah. You know? So I had to go to a, a 16 plus or 18 plus rating for, yeah. <laughs> for trapping ink. <laughs> well, and it's, uh, you know, even in the schools and stuff, I'll say, you know, I've skinned some muskrats or whatever in front of kids. And I, I always give them the option. You don't have to be here if you don't want to be here. Every kid's just eyeballs glued onto <laughs> it, and they ain't blinking, eh? They just yeah. eating it up. When you've never seen anything like that, 
it's curiosity too. But if it's brought into the right ways, I think our future with teaching kids, I, I wish it was part of school curriculum that they learn. The, we learn the fur trade, but, you know, I think it would be awesome to see them and, you know, take them out and show them what we do and why we do it. Part of that also reflects on, on how scary schools are because those kids are nothing uh, they, they they cue more off of how the adults around them are reacting than their own reaction. Yeah. You know, and and when they watch you do that skinning, it's not objectionable to them. Yeah. But if somebody was there going, ooh, if their mother was there, it yep. might might be a different, they They're might have a different their, take on yeah. it all, altogether, right? Why their mother? Oh, the, okay, their father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this day and age, you never know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you but, can't uh, tell one from the other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's good, though. That's good that you, that you have such a good uh, reaction to it. Yeah. I know your your own kids. You've you've done so much with, yeah, and that that's uh, so important. I mean, for one thing, they're free labor. Yeah. I noticed that. <laughs> right. I noticed that on your travel line. I yeah. mean, they were they piled off the snowmobiles and they were out there just moving. I was like, wow. Yeah. I said, boy, some kids that aren't, aren't aren't scared to work and and the little little. Uh, she was so small then. She was just just this little tiny bunny in a pink suit. She'd uh, take the. Her job was to pack the the Martin away from the the, the trapped and put him in the, in the uh, box. She chased her brothers with it. That was that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she's my she's my little ha- my my uh, helper for sure. I uh, I take and I take any kid with me. I don't like I'm not you know just my kids, but I guess I, I look at it. When I was 14, I was pretty fortunate. My my dad lent me his three wheeler Honda Big Red. Um, my grandpa lent me a dozen beaver traps in the spring he was to the to the age where he had his body was sort of slowing up so anyways i got to uh, go to set some traps i set 12 traps that spring before and after school i caught 65 beaver by myself wow i put them all up myself i sold them on a 35 dollar average you know i'm 13 years old it's 2300 bucks in my pocket i know and i worked for it like that i guess maybe that's what I look for now too is I'm trying to teach my kids to be, you know, your hands got to make you your money, you yep. know, pay attention to that. You know, when you have, when you have a, a knack for something or to, to the ability to use your hands, you're going to hopefully, you know, go far in life. Eh? Well, you're not afraid to get your hands dirty. One thing, yeah. if you if your hands are making your money, you're not afraid to get them dirty. Yeah. And I can still hear the satisfaction in your voice. Of, uh, of what those beaver were worth. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, as a kid at that age, I mean, the the incredible amount of confidence it gave you to tackle anything, you yeah. know? Yeah. I, you know, and I, it was a lot of work, eh? I, I could have went and hung out with my buddies or whatever, but I, I went home after school and skinned beaver till dark, come home and went to bed, got up, went and checked my traps, you know, so. So how were you trapping back then? Like, what, what was your set back then? Oh, well, just on a run set. You know, caster mound just on three thirty. Cre- yep, three thirty. Yeah. Old, yeah. old Victor three thirties that Grandpa had, and uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's what I, I caught. My best day was I, I took nine beaver in one day and twelve traps. So, oh my God, yeah, yeah. thirteen years old. I was pretty, I was pretty big eyed and a lot of lot of teeth showing on my way home. <laughs> eh? And that that old big red was loaded. Oh, it was. It was a double trip. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then trapping with grandpa too i guess and he he, you know i I learned fur handling and whatnot when i was fairly young so he uh i i wouldn't say he was a great fur handler he was more about the 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 quantity 
quantity, not quality. Yeah. So like he produced a lot of fur over the years. So anyways, grandma was a good fur handler. She taught me too, as I said before. So grandpa, he was, he still wanted to go trap and, uh, I was getting up into my senior years of high school and playing basketball and, you know, girls and whatnot, <laughs> keep busy. <laughs> anyways. So he asked, he said, if, if you put the fur up for me, I'll trap. If you put the fur up, we'll split it, the the profit. I said, yeah, why not? So anyways, I had to slow him down at 1,200 squirrels. So <laughs> he, he was in his glory because he, he didn't have to even worry about putting his fur up. So <laughs> I ended up skinning, yeah, 1,200 squirrels one winter for him. Gra- Grandpa still had a few steps going. Well, yeah, he was tough. Yeah, he didn't slow down. And when, when he knew he didn't have to deal with the headache at the end of the day, he was full tilt, day. Eh? Yeah. Do yeah. what you love. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it's it's always been an enjoyment to me. So, I tell you what, uh, it's easy to see. I mean, how much it ha- it helped mold you, and how much it's 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 mold molded your family and your and your children together. Um, we we're, we're in a much more uh, urban environment. You guys are out here in northern Alberta on the farm, and and that. So maybe maybe it's not so unique for you, but. We see where the where the future is, and it, it, we wish there were more families like yours. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. No, and I, you know, I, I do ADC work. Uh, I do a, a pretty big project with some wolves here the last few years, and uh, it's it's hard work. I'm digging holes. It's long days. I work. Yeah, it's this is supposed to be a hobby type of thing. Anyways, it's <laughs> it's my second job. So, you know, I'm up early in the morning to farm. Yeah. I farm till supper time, and. I go trapping, and lots of times I ain't home till one in the morning, at, and back up at seven, eight in the morning on the farm to to go at it. So well, that's that, that's that part of uh, not worrying about getting your hands dirty. How many acres do you farm? Uh, with my brother and my dad, uh, dad's getting out of it with sixty five hundred acres of yeah. grain farming. So yeah, that, yeah. That, that 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 isn't done with a snap of the fingers. <laughs> no, not most days. No, some long days. And, and of course, when busy season is on the farm, it's busy season and and getting ready for trapping and trapping as mm-hmm. as doing ADC work. So yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I'm pretty fortunate. I take my kids. Harley was with me yesterday. We were setting wolf traps. We set dug in 12 sets, fresh new sets, scouted, and, uh, you know, she's packing dirt with me, and she's luring the sets with me. She's 9, 10 years old, and she's getting ready Good in for there. Her. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. So. I still remember her with the wool sock fleshing a, a weasel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I, you know, I don't force kids or nothing, but if I go out after supper, 10 out of 10 times, she's, she's out there with me. Yeah. Skinning. Uh, Coleman coyotes, whatever it takes. She, she yeah. I guess maybe she's been bit by the bug too, eh? So that's that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's always our dream, though, isn't it? Yeah. As much as we don't want to, uh, uh, you know, influence our children too much, want them to be their own people and all that. It's always cool when they like to do what you like to do. Oh yeah, and I yeah, if they want to go in and or go do ride their bikes, whatever, do it. I, I'm fine with it, you know. Yeah. But if they're willing to come and look and learn, I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's free labor, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I got to tell you, it has been a wonderful time sitting here talking with you. Um, I got to come back and get on the trap line with you again. For sure. That yeah. was uh, a bring great your, show. Bring your chainsaw here. Yeah. No, <laughs> bring no. Your, your I'm going to bring a limp. <laughs> a limp and a bad back. <laughs> yeah. bring, bring some saw fuel and a saw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. No, I'd love to have you. I, I enjoy taking people, for sure. 
And I sure appreciate you taking time in the fall here, which is your busy time, to uh, to do the podcast with us. No problem at all. Thank you very much for, for having me on it. Well, thank you. You bet. Thanks, Thanks Andy. Thanks a lot. You bet. All right. I uh, hope we uh, kept you guys interested. And uh, as I said at the start of the show, be sure to check out everything at www.trappinginc.com. Thank you.